Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Today on the podcast, scientists on a mission to solve the mystery of how massive stars form. These stars are responsible for creating the heavy elements in our universe, which means without them, there is no us. But scientists know very little about how these stars are born. The mechanism for creating smaller stars cannot explain the formation of these behemoths. A new study sheds light on this mystery and promises more answers to come. That's today on the Physics Central Podcast. Paola Caselli is a professor of astronomy at the University of Leeds in the UK. And she's hunting for stellar nurseries, places where baby stars are born. But more specifically, she wants to find stellar nurseries with no stars in them. Why? Because stellar nurseries are more than just the location where new stars live. They're also the source of those stars. Stellar nurseries are generally large clouds of gas and dust. If one of those clouds becomes dense enough, it could collapse onto itself, bringing all that material together into a ball. And if there is enough material, that ball may become a low-mass star. Here's Dr. Caselli. The formation of low-mass stars, although there are still some question marks, but overall we think we understand the main steps. This is not true for massive stars. Caselli and her colleagues are looking for clouds of gas and dust that may one day birth massive stars. Now, what exactly do I mean by massive? These are stars that are at least 10 times more massive than our sun. But some of these massive stars may be more than 100 times that. And when it comes to stars, size matters. Massive or supermassive stars have a big impact on the galaxies that they live in. These stars produce loads of light and energy and radiation and gravity, and they die in massive explosions that redistribute dust and heavy elements back out into the galaxy. And all of that deeply influences the surrounding environment. So if scientists want to understand galaxies, they need to understand these massive stars that live in them. Now add to that the fact that massive stars are also deeply responsible for our existence. So without massive stars, for example, we couldn't exist because most of the elements that we are made out, uh, say, for example, so oxygen, but also carbon, but, uh, you know, iron that we need, calcium, all these elements are made inside massive stars and then released back in the interstellar medium after they die as a, and explode as supernovae. So this is a very fascinating, very fascinating uh, thing that also connects to our origins and uh, how we can actually be here. So scientists know that low-mass stars form in clouds of gas and dust. If the cloud is dense enough, it may collapse down into a ball. And if there was enough material in the cloud, that ball might be massive enough to create a star. It may seem simple enough to suggest that massive stars form in this exact same way, just with bigger clouds. 
But there's one key problem with that theory. A cloud with enough material to create a massive star would be too large to hold itself up. It would collapse long before there was enough material to create a massive star. So there would have to be some other force supporting the cloud. That's one theory of massive star formation, and that theory suggests that magnetic fields could be the force that holds those clouds up and allows them to grow in size. Now, to test this theory, scientists really need data. They need to see a dust cloud that's large enough to form a very massive star. And that's what Caselli and her colleagues went looking for. They used the Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array, also known as the ALMA telescope. Now, previous observations had identified a few candidates for these massive star nurseries. These are large clouds. They are 10,000 or more uh, solar masses in size. So there is lots of reservoir of uh, gas that uh, could be able to form many, uh, say, massive stars. So there is a, we know that there is, say, the potential for forming massive stars. But observing these clouds is extremely difficult for multiple reasons. First, they are extremely far away. So there are some clouds where normal stars only form, and these clouds are relatively nearby, let's say um, one or 200 uh, parsecs, or say about, uh, you know, something like 600 light years away that uh, they can be observed very easily and we can look at the details. On the other hand, massive clouds where massive stars form are at least 10 times farther. Secondly, these clouds are extremely thick and extremely dark. No optical light can get in or out of them. And these clouds are very cold, so they don't radiate a lot of light to begin with. So there's not much information coming out of them. So this presents a conundrum for scientists like Caselli who want to see inside these clouds. Now specifically, what Caselli and her colleagues were hoping to confirm was that these clouds do not contain any baby stars. Because if smaller stars have already started to form, that makes it unlikely that massive stars are going to form there. So they want to locate what Caselli calls a core a spot in one of these clouds that is dense enough and big enough to form a massive star, but which has no sign of star formation yet. Now, for a long time, scientists hunting for these cores were really at a dead end, but that was before ALMA. ALMA detects low infrared light, and anything that is above absolute zero, anything that has at least a little bit of heat to it, is going to radiate a little bit of infrared light. In addition, ALMA has very high resolution, so it can see these clouds very clearly, even though they're very far away. Now, the infrared light that ALMA sees is not enough to directly indicate the presence or absence of stars, but when the light passes through the cloud, it picks up information about the chemicals that are present in the cloud. 
And looking at the chemicals that are in one of these clouds can tell scientists about processes that have happened or not happened there. They can tell them about the structures inside the cloud. So Caselli and her colleagues used ALMA to look for these chemical tracers to try to identify these massive star cores. So which tracer actually is going to be the best one to detect massive starless cores? And in the past 15 years, we found that molecules, simple molecules that contain deuterium, are especially good to select regions that are cold. Deuterium is also known as heavy hydrogen. It's a hydrogen atom whose nucleus contains one proton and one neutron. The lighter form of hydrogen has no neutron. Deuterium forms naturally in the universe, and it binds easily to a number of other molecules. Caselli and her colleagues were looking for deuterium attached to nitrogen. Previously, scientists had studied other dense dust clouds, uh, some which are a bit closer to Earth and easier to study, and they knew that this deuterium-nitrogen combination tends to show up in cloud cores where stars are likely to form. And scientists know that this molecule quickly breaks apart when the temperature goes above 20 or 30 degrees Kelvin. That's about negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit. We have to remember that in regions where stars are forming, so before star formation, before the stars start to heat up the cloud uh, around it, the temperatures of this cloud are about 10 Kelvin, so are even below, uh, significantly below this uh, maximum temperature that you need even if the slightest star-forming activity had begun, the region would heat up and the deuterium-nitrogen molecules would disappear. In the December 20th issue of the Astrophysical Journal, Caselli and her colleagues announced that using the ALMA telescope, they had identified six potential starless cores, places where massive star formation might begin. And they identified those cores by looking for those deuterium-nitrogen tracers. There are two central competing theories for how massive stars form. The first one suggests that these massive clouds are somehow propped up, most likely by magnetic fields, and that allows them to grow sufficiently large before they collapse down into a star. The work by Caselli and her colleagues leans in favor of that theory. The second key theory suggests that smaller clouds will collapse into chunks of material and that those chunks will then come together to form massive stars. Now, this theory says that the clouds where these massive stars would form would have to be very turbulent. But the cores that were identified by Caselli and her colleagues appear to be fairly tranquil. Moving forward in this investigation, Caselli and her team want to study the magnetic fields inside these starless cores. In fact, we know that magnetic fields play an important role in low-mass star formation, in the, the contraction of the cloud. So we 
believe that magnetic fields are also now playing an important role in this higher mass course. And the reason for that is that the magnetic fields are actually able to support the clouds, or in this case the cores, against fast uh, uh, gravitational collapse. This summer, scientists will add a polarimeter to the ALMA telescope that should allow them to glean information about the magnetic field lines inside the cores. The work by Caselli and her colleagues does lean heavily toward one theory of massive star formation, but this is by no means a closed case. But it is a very significant step towards solving the mystery of massive star formation. Currently, no other telescope has the resolution to study these starless cores. And uh, definitely, this is a success, uh, uh, say, not just of our team, but also of ALMA, which uh, really gave us, uh, for the first time, the possibility to see these. So I'm sure that uh, these will be followed up by probably many other teams, and uh, they will try to probably do similar things. The paper just came out in December, and uh, hopefully it will uh, become, say, an important work for the community of uh, you know, people who work on uh, star formation in general. The lead author on the research paper reference today was Jonathan Tan from the University of Florida, Gainesville. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Callie Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central Podcast.